Welcome to the One Broken Cog Podcast. Join John and Brian as they share small adjustments that lead to major impacts. One Broken Cog Podcast back behind the mic once again. John, what do you think about outsourcing, my friend? Outsourcing? I honestly don't know. Boy, you you know that you can get me going on that for a long time. Do we want to talk about Egypt? Do we want to talk about India? Do we <laughs> want to talk about Belarus? Do we want to talk about, you know, veterans at home? Um, I think it's a great idea that can leverage a tremendous amount of talent if it's done correctly and if it's done with a moral compass. Unfortunately, too often it's not. Why? What do you think? No, it's true. I know that you and I have outsourced some of our business endeavors, and uh, but our guest today has taken outsourcing to the next level, and his name is Matthew Yeas. Now, to give you some background on Matthew, he has 20 years experience in business strategy, technology, and entrepreneurship. After years in the traditional corporate path, in 2009, he was laid off, which began his journey to start his first company at the age of 36. Now, it's been an amazing roller coaster ride ever since. Now, as the founder of Extend Your Team, a virtual assistant company, Matthew helps entrepreneurs and operators of all company sizes grow their business by getting out of the grind. He was working 14 hours a day on his e-commerce portfolio, managing a team of six, was buried in operations, and it was affecting his marriage. He had enough and finally figured out how to hire an A-plus player overseas who could run the operations better than him so he could focus on growth. He realized that the core issue is people look for a virtual assistant and not a real professional. In 45 days, Matthew went from working 14 hours to three hours a day, and now it's three hours a week. Matthew built his past two companies with 100% remote workforce and now helps others do the same. In his spare time, he snowboards well, he kiteboards poorly, and enjoys life with his incredibly patient wife. Matthew, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. Happy to be here. Man, it's nice to have a wife who's so patient, huh? Oh, my God. I think, uh, yeah, she's an Olympian. (laughs) (laughs) Happy wife, happy life, right? Yes. I mean, I think, you know, part, you know, one of the unsung heroes of entrepreneurship are spouses or significant others because, you know, you're completely dedicated to building a business. And if you don't have support, you know, on your personal life, it's just going to be very difficult. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's better to outsource your business than outsource your marriage, right? <laughs> Ain't that the truth? <laughs> I'll tell you. <laughs> Now, I know you've got a great background. We'd love to dive into the uh, the outsourcing and, of course, your, your new venture. But, you know, you've been an entrepreneur for quite some time. What started you on that path? How did you start your entrepreneurial journey? Honestly, so it was it was like you said in the, the intro, I got let go. So I was laid off in 2009 from a very high-end management consultancy. And I was on a project at the time. My client was happy, but, you know, there were massive cuts. And there was a partner that didn't like me. Yeah, it was really that simple. My own, it wasn't even my own partner. And he forced me to get let go. My own partner wouldn't even let, lay me off. He forced him to do it. And what, you know, I was pretty angry at the time because there was nothing to do with performance and I knew it. And what the advice that I got was from uh, a family member who was very successful. He said, you can love a company, but they can't love you back. And what that made me realize is that unless I control my own destiny, someone else does. And that just didn't work for me. So that started me. Uh, I could, was, you know, on the journey, you know, it was just necessity, I guess. No, absolutely. Now you started uh, in e-commerce, right? You're working with 14 hours a day, managing a team of six. You're pretty much buried. Your marriage was on the rocks because of it. How did this happen and why did it happen? Oh, so actually step back a little further. My first business I started 
a national, what then was a national restaurant chain with the former president of McDonald's, who coincidentally was my client when I got let go. And then he pulled me in about a year later to start a company with him. Did that for about four years. And like, it was crazy. I mean, I, I loved it. I mean, you're just, I was running around building restaurants and scouting out locations in six different states, right? Super fun. When I finished that, I just decided, like it was venture backed. When I finished that, I decided I wanted to just own my own destiny. My wife, my now wife told me, she's like, you know, you're unemployable. You got to go do something because you just, you shouldn't work for anybody. You don't have the right attitude. And I guess, you know, she's true. She's she's just right. And then uh, I was selling on eBay for fun. And she's like, why don't you turn this into a business or do something on the internet? And I was like, okay. I mean, what does that mean? And from there, I bought an e-commerce business. I jumped, you know, spent seven figures, took out a bunch of loans and bought a business I knew nothing about. Wow. What made you decide to take that risk, not knowing anything about the business? Uh, A healthy dose of ego. (laughs) (laughs) And some balls too, huh? Yeah. I I think that there's sometimes there's bliss in not knowing something like you don't know what you don't know. And there's some bliss in that. And I, I think that I just was like, well, I can do it. And I just believed in myself. I'm smart. I thought I knew better than a lot of the guys in the game since I've learned that's not true, not even remotely. And I, you know, wanted to, I said, I can apply some business acumen that I didn't think was being brought to bear at this level of e-commerce. And that was really it. And I just, just said, F it, but, you know, jumped in the deep end and said, all right, I'm going to sink or swim. And I swam. So let's stay on that for a second. This is kind of interesting. So you, you, you came to this from extremely high-end, large corporate consulting, which is uh, which is some some very rarefied thinking and, and some very good background. Did that background give you a false sense of what you could do, or did that background help you in your assessment of the situation? I think a little bit of both. It helped me figure out how to vet businesses, which was a good business or bad from a business standpoint. But it certainly gave me a, uh, a level of overconfidence that I could jump in and operate successfully. So advising and operating are two different skill sets. One is, you know, they're both reading data, but only one of them operating, you have to live with your decisions, right? You know, I make it so I can advise in my previous life, if I would advise someone to, let's just say, Run sort of some sort of discounting program, right? Let's just make a just keep an example. Well, I gave you advice. Here's what the data shows. Here's what we believe will happen. Well, when in my e-commerce business, if I ran a discounting program and it failed, like it failed to generate the appropriate revenue and it was a loss, you know, that's money out of my pocket. It's a different level of stakes. There's a notion though, and 
I want you just to comment on this for a second. There's a notion in a lot of young people coming out of school and they're, oh, I don't want to get caught in the corporate culture. I don't want to get squeezed out and have my ego destroyed and my personality lost, blah, 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 and be a slave to the money. So I'm going to go from, from scratch and try to start a business on my own. And that there's another school of thought that says, wait a minute, go take five years out of your life, learn some stuff from the corporations because they have lessons to teach you and then go do your own thing. So because you you actually went that route, would you comment on that for, as, as advice to young folks? Yeah, I would do the five year. Then if you wanted to do your own thing, do your own thing. There is a level of structure that you learn in many corporations that will help you be successful. And it's something as simple as how do you structure your day? I mean, it, it can be something as simple as that. How do, you, how do you solve a problem? What's the best way to walk through solving a problem? How do you communicate with other professionals who may be more senior than you? And I, there's a lot of lessons that you do learn in corporations. Now, corporate life ultimately wasn't for me, but there's nothing necessarily wrong with it especially if you say, I want to get A, B, and C out of corporate life, and then I'm going to do my own thing. The other thing that's really nice about corporate life that you don't appreciate till you're on your own is you're, you have a guaranteed paycheck or relatively guaranteed, right? If I, for some reason, like in so my e-commerce business, one of them is in weddings, right? So that, that business, you know, was killing it pre-pandemic. Guess what happened post, you know, during the pandemic? There that's, are no weddings. It's gone. Well, yeah, it went from, it went down, I think the worst was like 95% and now it's sitting around 50. Well, guess who didn't get paid? Me. Guess who got paid first? My employees. Why? Because I need my business to run. So you start to realize that there are, there's good and bad about both, but I would highly recommend go get five years, right? If you say, I can't yeah. do this forever. So it's like, get five years experience. In the scheme of things, it's nothing. No, it's not. And, and the other thing I think people don't realize is that one of the one of the benefits of, of a decently run corporate environment, not all of them, but even just a decently one is 95% of the stuff that goes on in the organization to run the organization, you don't have to be involved with. And you can focus on the task that you're trying to become expert in. And yeah, just go do that. absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And the other thing is that I think people don't talk about especially with the mythology around entrepreneurship is most successful entrepreneurs, I think are 42. I think the average age of an entrepreneur, like a successful entrepreneur is 42. You mean the 15 year overnight success? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's really not, it's, it's not someone who in their early twenties, I'm not saying it doesn't happen. Of course it does. Right. But there's no one on this podcast right now who's Mark Zuckerberg and there's only one Mark Zuckerberg, Right. Right. And, you know, if you really figure out what's going on in Silicon Valley, it is not 22-year-old kids making billions of dollars, right? It does happen, of course. But, you know, there is a dose of the facts when you start to say, wait a second, why are most successful entrepreneurs on an average 42 years old? Or that's when they start their first company, I think. The reason is you need a certain level of experience just to do it successfully. Because you understand what you know, you understand what you don't know, and then you can compensate for that by building a team. And and you need, I mean, you need a certain amount of luck. I mean, I I, I would I would, and, and Brian probably knows this better. I would wonder if the probability of becoming a Mark Zuckerberg or an Elon Musk or a Bill Gates is is significantly less than making uh, 
an NFL team? I would say, I mean, most likely statistically speaking, given the number of people in business, yeah. it, it, it would make sense. I, but, you know, the good news is you don't have to be Mark Zuckerberg or Bill Gates or Elon Musk to be successful. Correct. Right. Correct. You, you can be just fine, pretty far beneath them. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, it, it's, it's everyone likes to look at them as examples. And yes, that's awesome. Right. Obviously, they're, they're more successful than I will ever be. Right. Just reality. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, but that's okay. That doesn't mean I can't be completely self sufficient and successful and not be as successful as them and not look to people like that for that's the only way to be. Right. Some of the most wealth, some of the wealthiest people I know, you are in the most boring businesses and make ungodly amounts of money. There is, there is not a single landscaping truck in the town that I live in that is older than about three years and isn't covered in gold leaf paint. Just saying. <laughs> There's a lot of entrepreneurs in a lot of different businesses. And I think people need to open their minds to that. Yeah. Right. That's true. It's, it's, it's not just sexy stuff. Like it's the non-sexy stuff where you can sometimes be the most successful and make the most money. No, I mean, look at the Zuckerbergs and the Gates and all of them. There's a price tag associated with that fame and that, that fortune. I mean, if you're willing to pay that price, then, you know, God bless. But yeah, no, I'd rather fly under the radar and, and make good money, not have to deal with those pressures and sit in front of Congress and, you know, all those lawsuits and things of that nature, for sure. Now, you bring up a great point, Matt, the fact that you were laid off due to a personality conflict, right? Due to a quote unquote, a, not a culture fit. And it wasn't a performance issue. It was just, you weren't a fit culturally. A lot of companies have adopted this mindset. Do you think that it's a good shift or a bad shift that they're looking at culture fit versus actual performance? Well, I think there's, 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 there's good, you know, good and bad about it, right? Culture fit you know, unfortunately can mean people's biases come into it, right? Like, hey, my opinion, you know, so I think it just depends, but you have to all have the same value system, right? In my case, you know, it, it's, it's kind of, it's funny. In my case, it just was an excuse because the guy didn't like me, but because I exited with grace and I never made a stink, about seven months later, I was hired back as a contractor at three times my salary. So, you know, the lesson is even sometimes when it doesn't go your way, ultimately it can still go your way. And money talks, right? Right. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't like it was, you know, cause I know a lot of people say, well, of course that's what he's saying. You know, it wasn't a fit, but he couldn't perform. No, it really wasn't that. It's just sometimes people don't like you. And as long as you don't make a stink and you're like, okay, it didn't work out. Not a big deal. You exit with grace. A lot of times you can spin that to your advantage. In my case, I was able to. No, absolutely. Now they always talk about, you know, in business, the smart jerk, you know, the guy who is the top performer, who's the best, but apparently he just doesn't get along with anybody else. And you kind of wonder, you know, what company's perspective is on that. I mean, to me, it's all about performance and people management and things of that nature. But yeah, apparently companies are, are turning their backs on people that they just don't get along with. And they would much rather sacrifice their bottom line than deal with somebody like that. It's very interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's true. I mean, it's, you know, the people in, when I went to graduate school and business school, the people that got the best jobs at the best companies were not the smartest people. That's not even, everyone was smart, right? You have a base level, everybody's smart, but the people who were at, you know, the top of the class did not get the best jobs because many of them failed the airplane test. And the airplane test, if you're not familiar with it, is 
if for some some reason you actually sat next to a colleague on a plane for six hours, would you want to shoot yourself in the face? If that, if you want to shoot yourself in the face, if you sat next to someone, you're not getting hired. It's actually kind of that simple. And at the point, everyone's smart. It's subjective things. If you would like to talk to the person, you'll get hired. And a lot of the people at the top, you know, of the class, the smartest kids were jerky and, you know, they failed that test. It's true. Absolutely true. I've seen this many, many, many times. So now fast forward, you're in e-commerce, you know, your wife is upset. You're not spending any time at home. You're going ballistic. You started to outsource. You, you found outsourcing. How did you find it? And how did you find that person to be able to outsource it to? Did somebody guide you in that direction? how did you discover this? Yeah. So in e-commerce, in what I would call sub VC level e-commerce, it's pretty common to outsource, right? To outsource to the Philippines, outsource to India, you know, Eastern Europe, et cetera. And so I, like so many people said, I'm going to cost optimize this business, right? And customer service onshore and through attrition and otherwise people leave. I'm just going to hire people in the Philippines, right? I call it the myth of the $5 an hour VA. I'm going to get someone for $5 an hour. That's going to help me with my business. And it's going to change my life. The truth is, you know, you can find amazing people at that rate. Right. And by, by the way, five, but the trip, but $5 an hour is also an entry level salary in the Philippines as well. So it's, you know, you can find amazing people. And I've had found my current team, you know, I have found amazing people, but you quickly realize that there's a lot of management overhead when you do it. And there are websites that you can go to, to go find people overseas to work for you. But the challenge is you also have to learn how to manage them and how to, you know, vet effectively. And so, you know, that's, you know, so you can have a team of outsourced professionals, but it does take a lot of management overhead. How quickly did you figure that out? How did, how quickly did you adapt to their style and managing them? Yeah. So typical path and mine was no different is 12 to 18 months to figure it out, which is not a short period of time. I assure you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it took time. And so what happened was, you know, I was still getting crushed. I had a team of, I think it was six people at the time. And I was going to China with my wife. And she said, I hope, and I say this in quotes, you're not going to work when we go to China because it's a family vacation with my parents and I don't want working. And I said, hey, hon, uh, you know, I need to, I mean, I need to work. She goes, go find someone to run your business out of the Philippines. And I said to her, you know, hey, hon, I don't think that's possible. I'm not, I know a lot of people outsource to the Philippines. It's always junior level people. And she looked at me. I don't know if you are you guys, Brian and John, are you married? Yes. Yes, yes. Okay, so you'll know this look and you'll know this conversation. She looked at me with the, you know, poor you eyes. She's like, you know, it's a country of 100 million people. I think one will be fine. Right? Like, hey, by the way, there's one person in 100 million that's going to be able to help you. And she was right. I said, I don't know. You know, she was right. And so I spent two months, I interviewed 100 people, vetted 500 resumes or something along that, whittled it down. And I ended up finding someone who ran, who was chief of staff for a 100-person development shop. I convinced her to work for my six-person company. And she killed it. Within seven days, I left for China after hiring her. I said, good luck. Here's the business. I mean, I had systems, so it's not as, you know, I'm not like throwing everything away. Things, she couldn't really mess things up too badly, but she executed everything 80%. 
I maybe worked an hour a day. And within six weeks of hire, I, I, my 14 hour days were three hours. And she just ran everything better because I had a Filipino team. She was, Angelica is her name. Angelica was managing them and managed them better when I need to hire fire. She did it better than I could. And overall, just, it turns out she was a better operator of the business than me. Wow. So a manager, you hired a manager that managed an outsourced team. Yeah, exactly. So interesting. Wow. And she had no experience in e-commerce. Zero. (laughs) Unbelievable. So 45 days it took you to whittle down from 14 hours a day to three hours a day. Is this realistic for most people or is this just like lightning striking for you? No, it's realistic. I mean, I do it. I forget my current business, right? Where I do this for other people. The reason it's realistic is let's just say the three of us moved to the Philippines and someone hired us. We're working for a company. Someone hired us. That's, I mean, there's really no different, right? All around the world are professionals who actually can help us, you know, who run companies and they can help people and they can do real work and offload real tasks. They're multi-billion dollar companies in every country, right? So you just have to find the people that work there and cherry pick. It's, it's, it's really, it's, it, when you think about it, it's not rocket science, right? It's like, go hire good people. They happen to live in another country where salaries are less. That's it. Is, is yeah. it really that simple or because I think you're I think you're downplaying a significant part that you just mentioned. One, I think you're what you're implying is that this works for somebody who understands their business. Two, it works for somebody who has systems in place that are repeatable. And three, it works for somebody who can explain those systems, explain the outcomes desired and explain the processes to the person. And I would question how many people can really do all three of those. So I would say yes on one and three, no on two. And, you know, so know that you don't have to have them written down because if you're getting hiring someone who's a professional, they can, you know, document these things for you. You do need to understand your business and you do need to be able to explain to people what tasks one done, right? So the easiest example, and this is just, it's simple for most people to grasp. It's not, this is too low level. It's very low level given who we hire. But if I said to you, hey, John, hey, Brian, uh, I want you to do my email, manage my email. Okay. Well, what does that actually mean? Well, answer my email. All right. Well, you have different types of people coming in, uh, you know, I, different types of answers. Let's just say like, you know, customers and suppliers. I'm just making this up, right? Well, customer interactions are different. Supplier interactions are different. And you need to have some sort of approach to explain like, oh, I classify my emails this way. I only respond to these people within 24 hours, these other people within 48, so on and so forth. So you need to be able to explain it. You have to understand the problem. But at the end of the day, it's that professional's job to offload that and systematize it for you, right? And write down standard operating procedures, et cetera. Like, so in my world, customer service, right? There are, you know, probably half a dozen questions people get. We have, you know, someone, you know, created templates for them and then trained how to answer these questions, trained other people how to answer the questions effectively for my e-commerce business. So I, I think that most people do understand their business and they don't necessarily understand the system, a systematized way of doing things, but a professional can help draw that out of them 
and systematize it for them. That's a great point. How much does it cost to hire a manager overseas to outsource so, that? To a client, anywhere from 17 to 21 an hour, but you're getting someone who's a rock star, right? Yeah. That's akin to hiring someone who's like 125,000 a year. Wow. It's so amazing. It, it's, yeah, I mean, you know, think about it. if you're in business, right? Like, could you use $125,000 a year employee, $150,000 a year employee? Yes. I mean, in the Philippines, what's interesting is, you know, the, the further you go up in pay scale, the further, the, the more exponential the growth is of the, you know, the, the skill set. So what I mean is like for 20 bucks an hour, you'll get like a rock star, a mid-career mid manager who's managed possibly, you know, 30 people. I just placed someone for 27 an hour who ran a 2,000 person division. So think about that. I mean, that's roughly 60,000 a year US, right? 57, I think it is. So for $57,000 a year, someone got someone who actually legitimately ran a business larger than one I've ever run. Wow. No, that's, that's a, it's a great point. It's a great point. Now, I know during the pandemic, you your sales plummeted. I mean, they dropped 80%. That forced you to kind of you reevaluate like many of us have. You launched your brand new business, uh, extend your team. You broke a million in revenue. You hired 50 employees within seven months. How did this happen? Is this because people really took to this model? Is it because it was so much less expensive for people and they didn't have a lot of working capital? What led to the success so early? I think that one, I have credibility since I've done it for my, I do it for myself. And I have credibility because I can actually tell you what works and what didn't because I made a lot of mistakes, number one. Number two, I'm offering a different product. So in the service business, right? So I was management consultant. I was the product and my people are the product. I'm saying my whole point is to everyone, you're optimizing for cost and that's the wrong thing. Optimize for quality and the price difference will pay for itself. And when I talk to clients over and over, they, they confirm that, you know what, for the extra few dollars, right? You know, the difference between eight and 18 is 1800 a month. But for that 1800 extra, I got someone who can help me make five, six, 10,000 more a month, right? It's, it's, it's not expensive and my life is better. My business is better. So I think it's really those two things. Yeah, no, no, for sure. Absolutely. What was your marketing strategy? How did you get in front of people so fast? Well, first 10 people were people I know. So my, I would encourage everybody who is starting a business, validate it with people you know in your network, whether it's family, friends, or business associates. So that's my first 10 people. I then, the first, after that, the, the next one was actually the scariest because it was someone I didn't know. Like, okay, is this a real business? It's not a real business. It's just my friends and family being nice to me or a business associates. That was through a referral. And then since then, it's been referrals and a lot of LinkedIn. LinkedIn is a goldmine for a new business. It's a goldmine. I publish a lot of content. Now my team publishes content. Constantly reaching out to people, connecting. People reach out to me through that. I do podcasts so people find out through there, as well as I do referrals. So I think the comment, and I have not even turned on a real marketing strategy. We're just starting to develop, I'm redoing my website because I am just launching uh, like email captures so I can actually build my email list and I have not even started advertising. So it's, it's been crazy. It's, it's just a lot of hustle and now I'm starting to just do exponential marketing. 
It's amazing. It's great. What's the biggest revenue driver as far as the tasks that you've outsourced to your offshore team? What's the biggest driver of revenue that, that comes in from your outsourced team? So I would say the number one use case for us is what we call a chief of staff. It's someone, think of it a high level project manager, someone who can quarterback your entire business. So you are just focused on growth. So whether that's client management, yes, you can outsource client management. I do it and it's fine. Frankly, clients many times don't want to talk to you anyway, because you're just a roadblock. You can outsource client onboarding, project management, task management. It really, you know, it just goes from there. All these things that you think are high level that someone else can just do more effectively. And what that does is free up your time to think about how to grow and to spend time on growth oriented activities. So it's really the chief of staff is the number one use case where I think most entrepreneurs and businesses can benefit. Yeah. No. What industries would work better for this than others? Because I don't think every industry would work the same. Would it? Honestly, uh, we have our. We looked at this, and I think we have now roughly seventy people, and it's spread across every industry. I have a midwestern manufacturer who uses telemarketers to set appointments with their clients, and they have six people right? To get more appointments for sales. I have e-commerce, of course. I have brokers. I have real estate. I mean, it's really across the board. It's not a, when I talk to people about marketing this business, it is not a demographic of what they're in. I have an e-marketing agency owner. It's really a psychographic. It's, I am impeded from growing because I am bogged down in operational tasks that just suck up my time and don't help me create value. If you're at that stage, that's generally our customer. So your yeah. business model is that you meet with the business owner to determine where they're having a problem or where they need assistance and then you source that individual? Is that what you're doing? So yes, that is correct. Okay. So what the what it is is they say to us generally speaking if they're coming to us they they typically know what they need and generally now they may really want a unicorn like oh I want an engineering manager who is a marketing expert right it just doesn't right. work like that right and we also stay away from engineering because there are plenty of firms that do that and I can't personally vet that very well so no technology but you know they have an idea. We translate that into a job description for them. They confirm it. And then we actually go find someone who, act, who meets their needs. So just like you would do a traditional search at the $125,000 level, we're doing it for the 20 and hour level, right? Okay. Which is a mind shift because most companies are jamming things down your throat. And I know as an entrepreneur, I don't want that. So guess what I get to do? I didn't design a business like that. I designed a business where we're going to get you the right person for you. And we'll spend as much time as needed. And your net savings to them is realistically, they're coming in at maybe a third of the cost of, of a U.S.-based person? Correct. Overall? Correct. Yeah. Okay. And that includes us paying for medical dental life. That includes us paying for their internet. We ask, we require clients to give people vacation and U.S. holidays off because we found that that creates a really successful engagement on both sides of it. And there's other things we do to kind of, to make the experience better and to make it more successful. But 
you know, it's really this combination of effort at this level of employee that makes this successful. And are you finding most most of your placements are full-time people? I only do full-time. Okay. So in the Philippines, and the, you know, the person who taught me about outsourcing and about only hiring full-time is actually a client now. And what he said is, if you're not first, you're fourth. Think about it like this. In, in the Philippines, there's not a culture of contracting the way you or the three of us would think of. It's more, they want to piece together full-time work or more. So if you give someone 10 hours a week, well, they're going to bolt on a 40-hour client. Well, guess what? Your stuff comes last. And if you're paying 40 hours a week, you have their complete attention. Now, they may still go get a part-time job also, but your stuff will always come first. Yeah, see, think, I think there's a, there's a whole notion going around about VAs that talk about VAs from a part-time perspective. And you're actually challenging people to change that perspective. I would challenge it very strong, strongly. And yeah. I know multiple, I also know other entrepreneurs in the VA community in the, who do VAs and they don't do the really successful people don't do part-time because it causes problems. And at the end of the day, it's also a customer success issue. I don't want you to have not to not have a good experience, right? And so people who say, I'm going to get a VA for two hours a week, that's great, but your stuff's going to get done when it's done. I just don't want to run a business like that. Right. And as a business owner, frankly, it's also better to have full-time only because I don't have to piecemeal people's jobs together, right? It's just, it's full-time or we don't do it. Mm-hmm. No, but that, that's a that's a very I think significant distinction that you're making in in how you view the market and how you view success in this market. Yes, I, that's just born out of experience. Yeah, I've tried. I've tried the other way. It's not that I haven't tried. And actually, when we first started, I'm hustling for business. I tried to do 20 hours or more, and it just ca- it just caused problems. And so you know, very quickly, you said forget it. Only full time. And if you can't, if it's not if that's not it, not a problem. Uh, happy to recommend someone else. But you're finding enough more enough uptake in the market to to satisfy that requirement. Not a question. I think this will be anywhere between 100 to 150 people by the end of the year, and roughly my goal is a thousand people in the next four years. Nice. I, I don't think there's you know it's it's really I think of it like this: Can I help one thousand? Can I find one thousand or less companies that need this type of help? That's kind of how I look at it. Right. Of course you have attrition, things happen, but if someone's doing a good job, they don't leave, right? They're not, no one's leaving. Right. So it's, can I find a thousand or less? And it's probably, it'll be end up being like six to 700 because people get multiple employees. But I think I can do that in the next four years. I mean, I don't see why not, especially if I haven't marketed yet. I thought you wanted to spend more time with your wife. I, I do, but I love what I'm doing. So the, the truth is, so I, you know, I got pulled into this crazy project with my friend to help scale a business where we just, I just hired, I want to say it'll be as of next week, will be 80 people within 10 days, all in the Philippines for this project. And, you know, it's really fun. But outside of that, I'm, you know, I only, I'm not, I'm not working more than four hours a day. Before this, there's not, there's not more than four hours of work because I'm the CEO and my job I just have these interviews and I do sales calls until I hire a salesperson. And then I will only do, you know, podcasts and marketing. Matthew, it's been great. Really appreciate you taking the time. Anything you'd like to share? Any last uh, final thoughts or words of wisdom you'd like to share with the audience before we wrap up here? 
Yeah, I think, you know, what I'd say is words of wisdom. When you're thinking about your job and kind of your, your company, what's causing challenges for you, a lot of times it's you think you're special and that no one else can do the job. Just remember, that's not true. And there are people all over inside your town, city, country, and world who can do things just as effectively, if not better than you. So just open your mind and give it a try. There you go. I love it. Matthew, how can people connect with you, learn more, utilize your services, learn about Extend Your Team? Sure. Just go to extendyourteam.com or find me on LinkedIn. Uh, Reach out. I love to talk about outsourcing. Even if you're not my target client, I'm happy to talk to you to educate you. So just contact me on LinkedIn or book a meeting with me on the website. Hey, thank you very much. This is this actually is kind of enlightening. And, and I'm glad we did this. You, you put a, a very different spin on this whole issue of outsourcing that I had not heard before. And I appreciate that. Thank you. It's been fun. Now, now go take your wife out to dinner. <laughs> For birthday this week. I, I, I yeah, you got to behave. You got to behave. There you go. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Matthew. Thank you very much. All right. Have a good day, guys. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you for spending time with us today. We encourage you to join the many businesses that we have helped to achieve their objectives, align their departments, and increase their revenue. You can start by reaching out to us at results at onebrokencog.com. Together, we will make small adjustments that will lead to major impacts to your business, your culture, and your bottom line.